0: Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. Everyone, It's Dr. Paula McDonald with our Exhale Bible Discovery, and we are continuing our study in the book of John, and today we're in chapter 17. And in our last lesson, we completed Jesus's final words of his discourse regarding truth and joy. And this week, we're going to hear Jesus's beautiful prayer to all of us. It's very personal and very beautiful. So let's go through an overview of Jesus' prayer. And as we completed chapter 16, we saw how Jesus was preparing his disciples for the cross and for their time after the cross. He wants to prepare them for the tough times that will be coming, but also to never lose sight of the promise he made to them. Jesus promised them, and he promises us today that he will never, never leave nor forsake us. To take heart and to focus on the joy of the Lord. And we've studied these last four chapters about Jesus' last words to the disciples. This discourse is Jesus' longest speech and his most important information that he leaves us. And this discourse could in essence be thought of as our guidebook or cliff notes for the entire gospel. John 17 holds extreme spiritual significance for believers. How beautiful that Jesus prays out loud for all of his beloved disciples to hear and for us. And there are several significant words that we need to focus on. So if you're a journaler, you're going to want to get out your journal and your Bible and your pen and take some notes on this. It's incredible stuff. So here were the main components of Jesus' prayer. He says, glory. Jesus tells us numerous times that He is glorifying His Father. This word is found seven different times in this prayer. And seven, as we know, has major spiritual significance throughout the Bible. The word world is used 17 times, and world can actually mean earth or the worldly or ungodly people, the lost people. And it also signifies that Jesus came into the world to save us, and as believers, we too are to go into this world to share the gospel of Christ. Then he says, to those whom you gave me, It's another expression we see numerous times referencing the fact that God put Jesus in charge of us. It was his mission on earth. We are gifts given by God to Jesus. So beautiful. Then he uses the word one, and it's used five times. Jesus is in oneness with God and the Holy Spirit. He is in oneness with us as believers and as christians we are complete and we're a part of this trinity in fact a great way to look at this if you can imagine i have it drawn out there's a little triangle father son holy spirit each on each side of the triangle with you and god you're 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 a part of this these three things encompass us when we are believers we are encased in this oneness how amazing is that So do you see that we are here in the center and when we realize that we are completely surrounded by God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, your life takes on a new meaning and how many of us forget this beautiful covering that's around us every moment of every day. Then the last thing he really says is, I gave them. He says this over and over that he is giving us what the Father has given him. And here is a great list of what Jesus says he has given us in his prayer right here from chapter 17. He says he's given us life eternally in verse 2. God's full character is revealed, verse 6. God's words, verses 6 and 8. Joy, verse 13. Not of the world, verse 16 to go out to the world, verse 18, sanctified by Jesus, verse 19, glory, verses 22 and 24, and God's love, verse 26. I don't know about you all, but that prayer is beautiful, and we need to all be reminded to go back and dig into it on a daily basis. Now we're going to really look at this whole chapter together and have it broken down. The first section is Jesus's personal prayer. And this is verses one through five. And it's a beautiful and intimate prayer that Jesus opens with. He says, Father, he lovingly places God as the Abba Father. And this is an Aramaic term, Abba, for Father when addressing him in prayer or reference to him in praise or discussion. So it was a very intimate calling out to his father, and he says the time has come. Jesus is accepting his mission and acknowledges what he must do, and he says, "Glorify the Son, that your Son may glorify you." Some of the words used to define glory are praise, worship, honor, exaltation, beauty, and splendor, and another meaning is a ring or a spot of light, such as a halo, appearing around the shadow of an object. Then he says, granted authority over all things. Jesus, we know, was given dominion over this earth. God gave him the authority to grant eternal life and salvation to us. He also granted Jesus the authority of the Holy Spirit to reside within believers after his resurrection. And then he says that they may know you, the only true God. There are no other gods. The God of Jesus is the one and only God of the universe. Jesus tore the veil between us and the Father so that we might know him and know him intimately. And then he says, completing the work you gave me. Jesus fulfilled his mission on earth. The work of salvation would be completed when Jesus accepted the cross. And he says, glorify me in your presence. Together, they are complete glory and radiance. And remember back to the beginning of John, John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And imagine the light when we see Jesus in heaven, fully glorified. Kind of mind-blowing. And then he says, With the glory I had with you before the world began. Y'all, Jesus is telling us he has been with the Father since the beginning of time. And again, let's review John 1-2. It says, He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus' introduction to his prayer follows this outline. These seven parts I alluded to earlier. One, to whom he is praying. Two, he recognizes his time and his mission. Three, he acknowledges God's glory. Four, he gives God all the recognition. Five. He defines God. Six, he talks about the completion of his mission and his work. And then seven, the completeness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So examples of using this outline for your own prayer life, you can take these seven parts and pray a prayer. One, Father, Lord, Abba, Creator. God of the Most High, you are telling him to whom you are praying. And then, secondly, Lord, you know the perfect timing in my life, the events in my life, and the direction of my life. And then, three, you acknowledge him that he knows all things, he commands all things, and that he is glorified in all that I will do in my life. And then, fourth, you tell God, Yes, you are the only one true God. There's no one else above you. Fifth, He is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is there. He has never gone away. Sixth, Father, allow me to complete the work you have ordained for me. And then seven, in you, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, my life is complete and fulfilled. Amen. And that's just an outline or a template, but it is a beautiful outline and template for you to use in your daily prayer life. So now let's look at the second part, Jesus's prayer for believers. And this is in verses six through 19. And so what a beautiful and special gift Jesus gave to his disciples and leaves for us as believers. This prayer is a gift that Jesus spoke from the heart to give us hope and to show us his immense love and care, and allow us to witness how personally he prayed to his own father regarding us. So gorgeous. So let's break down this portion of the next prayer. So Jesus defines his believers. He says they were revealed plainly to God. Verse 6. Understand that they were given to Jesus by the Father. In Verse six, they were obedient and obeyed his words in six, they have understanding that Jesus is from God in verse seven they have accepted him, verse eight and believed in him, verse eight that he is praying specifically for them us verse nine that glory from Jesus is transferred to believers in verse ten, and then verses eleven. They will remain in the world. He prays for protection for them by the power of his name and that they may be one with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 12, he prays for protection and safety that none are lost. Jesus tells his believers what he has and will do for us, you guys. He tells us then in verse 13, to give them the full measure of his joy within them, verse 13, and that he will protect us from the evil one in 15. He will sanctify us by truth in 17, and he will send us into the world, verse 18. So back up to verse 6. Believers have to understand that we are gifts from God to Jesus. And when you truly recognize this truth, How can you ever distrust his plan for your life? How can you disparage yourself to others saying, I don't have that gift. I don't have that. How can you doubt the gifts and talents he has given you? And how can you speak ill of his creation, which is yourself? In verse 8, Jesus recognizes believers acceptance of him and their complete faith in him. And this is important. Because the enemy will work everything he can to undo this promise, to place doubt in your mind, to cause you to question Jesus' authority in your life. Claim this authority as Jesus claimed it for you. And just as Jesus prayed specifically for the disciples in verse 9, he continues to pray specifically for us today. Never ever doubt that Jesus counts you so special that he prays for you. That should be a mind-blowing revelation. So now let's talk about glorification. And going back to our discussion on the word glory, look at what it says in this verse when it says, And glory has come to me through them. This same glory that Jesus experiences with his Father You guys, it's the same experience he has with each of us. When we praise, worship, honor, exalt, beautify, and put splendor on him. And it's another meaning, the ring or the spot of light, a halo appearing around the shadow of an object. You guys, you and I have a halo of his light around us. It's our aura. It's what new age has tried to steal from us. It's what we radiate out. We absolutely have that. Then he talks about protection. And the verses regarding protection are not to be missed. Verse 11, 12, and 15. Jesus says in verse 11 that we shall receive protection from the power of his name. The name of Jesus does hold a power all on its own. The power comes when it is connected to Him. There is no power when non believers throw His name around flippantly. As we navigate the unrest in the world and specifically in our own areas, as believers, we must not lose sight of the protection that Jesus promised us. He continues to pray this over us today, and He left us with this prayer to remind us to rest in him and not allow the worries of the world to overwhelm us. He's got this, and he has us in the palm of his hands, and we have his power, you guys, we have it. Jesus is specific as to whom we are to be protected from in verse 15. The evil of this world is directed by Satan alone, and recognizing where the evil comes from is important to understand who has overcome the evil. No doubt, evil is active in this world. We are seeing full display of evil, hate, injustice, lies, division, deception, murder, false accusations, destruction, violence, and sadness. But we must, as believers, know that we are armed with everything we need in order to not allow those things to deter us. Let's take a look at these words to replace darkness and evil with God's promises. So each word's going to take us from darkness to light. Evil, the opposite is goodness. Hate to love. Injustice to justice. Lies to God's truth, deception to clarity, murder to life, false accusations to enlightenment and exposure, destruction to building up, violence to peace, sadness to hope and joy. So let's look at joy. To have the full measure of his joy in verse 13, remember This prayer is just before Jesus is arrested. And here he is at the most frightening and crucial moment of his life. And he's talking about his joy. The question begs then, what is his source of joy? So we go back to the beginning of the prayer, verses one through two. Father, the hour has come. He's admitting he knows he's going to die. Glorify your son. That the Son may glorify you. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work you have given me to do. Jesus' joy comes through accomplishing the work God gave him. God's joy is experienced by doing the work he has given you. And it makes sense then to figure out what that work is that he has ordained just for you. If you aren't sure, what God has given you, spend some time in dedicated prayer and earnestly seek him out to ask him. He has given you the help of the Holy Spirit, who is your guide and your counselor. Engage with him daily. Ask him to help you and to show you what it is that you've been destined to accomplish in his name. And now we're going to talk about sanctification. In verse 17, we are told That we have been sanctified by truth, which is from God's Word. This word and principle is essential to understand as a believer in Christ. And to be sanctified means to be set apart for God's special use and purposes. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. And you can go to Leviticus 27 through 8 and see that in the Old Testament as well. The origins of the word sanctify or sanctify is to consecrate. And it hails from the Old French sanctifier, sanctify, from the Latin sanctificare, to make holy and from sanctus holy. Therefore, all that to say, you and I as believers are saints. In the kingdom, and we are considered to be holy. What is super important to not miss is that sanctification is a process, it doesn't happen overnight, it is never finished while we're on this earth. Sanctification continues as we pray, we worship, we study His Word, accept and show grace, love, obey, trust, and have complete faith, and daily. As we strive to remain in Christ, he transforms us into a new creation. Sanctification is growth and transformation. And I have an illustration in my book that shows the word theosynthesis with an arrow going from left to right. On the far left end, it says your physical birth, and then you have a spiritual birth. There's a cross, and then after the spiritual verse. There is that sanctification going until we reach our point of glorification shown in a big bright sun to be glorified with Father when we die. So just as the grub worm slowly transforms into a butterfly, as a Christian, you too are transforming daily into a new and beautiful creation. And like the grub worm, times of growth will include times of darkness and ugliness. Growth involves expansion, breaking through former limitations, stretching, reaching, and yes, going through a lot of dirt to get to the light. So take a moment to go and read Romans chapter 8. I believe that you will gain a wonderful understanding of Paul's teaching regarding becoming sanctified in Christ. And now, our final section, Jesus' prayer for all, verses 20 through 26. The conclusion of this prayer is now for all future believers. Jesus left no one out in this beautiful prayer, and he desires for all to come to know him. 1 Timothy 2 4 says, Who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth? And then Paul. Also wrote, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus came to give everyone a chance for true and eternal life. All who call upon him, believe in him, will be given the gift of eternity with him. The text in John seventeen twenty has an important message. It says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Through their message, you guys, that is huge. Remember, this prayer is in front of the disciples, and he is telling them, he's telling us the importance about their messages that they will go out and share. So, it's a message for us today. Studying and knowing God's word is not for us alone. This message must go through us to others in order to share the good news. And in verses 22 through 23, Jesus mentions his glory again and that it is promised to future believers. Again, he mentions this to impress upon the importance of being one with the Father. He desires his believers to be in complete unity with him. And in this way, he says, the world will know that he had sent them. So Jesus then says his desire to be with us in heaven. In verse 24, he states clearly how he desires to be with him, us to be with him in heaven, to see his glory, and that that was given to him before the creation of the world. So amazing. Verse 25 begins with righteous father. And the definition of righteous is acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin. And Jesus is declaring that God is holy, divine, and sinless. And he is telling us that God is set apart. He is not like you or I. And then in verse 26, Jesus says, He made himself known to us. And will continue to make himself known to us. So if you've ever doubted Jesus, he promises right here in this prayer that he has clearly identified himself to those who choose to accept him. And additionally, as we walk with him, he continues to show us new things about him. I know I experience this truth daily as I dig into his word. He continues to teach me and show me his character, his truth, his love in new and fresh ways. It's mind-boggling to recognize this about Jesus. And his final message in the prayer says, in order that the love you have for me, may I myself be in them. Ponder on this for a moment. Jesus and God share an amazing, special love and bond. And here's Jesus telling us he desires that we too may experience this same love and bond. You guys, Jesus loves you and I so much. He is asking his Father to impart this same love upon each of us. Don't miss the significance of this message. If you've ever felt lost or unloved, reread this beautiful sentiment from Jesus' own words yes my friends he does love each of us more than we can fathom and i'm going to leave you with these beautiful words of paul from ephesians 3:16 through 21 i pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with the power through the spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God wow now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Blessings to you all. I pray that this resonated within you and that you will walk away today in a whole new, lovely meaning of how much you are loved by Christ. I'll see you next week. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com, click on Podcast, and then Exhale Bible Discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode.